This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 103 of Jurassic Park. Brady, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Excited to have Dave from Jurassic Collectibles on tomorrow and uh, for Minute 105 on Monday. And, I mean, he's just, you know, got a wealth of Jurassic Park knowledge and a huge collection of Jurassic Park memorabilia. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see what he has to say about the movie. Yeah, the guy's of course, the minutes that he's that he's in for are awesome. He has a deep knowledge of Jurassic Park and knows about what he's talking about and uh, has amassed a pretty cool collection. I, unfortunately, will not be there to talk to Dave with you, so I'm really looking forward to see what uh, what you guys are going to be talking about. But, uh, yeah, he's got some really, really choice pieces to his collection, doesn't he? Yeah, he's actually got uh, Ray, Samuel L. Jackson's uh, arm, the prop arm of his severed arm. So we're going to be talking all about that. Yeah, that's going to be great. Really looking forward to having Dave on, and uh, Jurassic Collectible seems like a really cool guest to, to have on here and talk to. But do you want to go ahead and get into minute number 103? Let's do it. In the previous minute, we saw Ellie Sattler finally get the electricity working again. As the minute ended, we saw Tim get startled by the electricity signal going off on the fence and slip. At minute number 103, Tim steadies himself on the fence and regains his composure. At 103.05, we cut back to the emergency bunker where John Hammond is still walking Ellie through the process of getting the electricity back onto all of Jurassic Park. Hammond tells Ellie that she needs to switch all of the red buttons to restore power. Malcolm nods in agreement. At 103.12, Ellie begins to switch the buttons on. The camera pans down to show that the final button is labeled Perimeter Fence. At 103.24, we cut again to the Perimeter Fence where Grant tells Tim that he has to jump. Tim tells Grant that he's crazy. Lex yells at Tim to do what Dr. Grant says. The siren continues to blare in the background. Grant tells Tim that he will count to three. Grant counts one, two, three... At 103.35, we cut again to Ellie in the utility shed as she counts down the buttons that she has switched on. Ellie says, four, five. At 103.38, we cut again to Dr. Grant, who tells Tim that he will come up and get him. Lex grabs Grant's arm. Grant tells her that he has to go get Tim. Tim steadies himself on the fence and tells Grant that he is going to count to three and jump. At 103.43, we cut again to Ellie, who is hitting switches. She only has three more to go. Tim counts one. At 103.47, we cut back to Ellie, who hits the switch labeled Perimeter Fence. At 103.49, we cut back to Tim, who counts to two. As he says two, sparks fly from the fence. Tim is blown backwards off the fence and into the arms of Dr. Grant below. The force of Tim knocks Grant back to the ground. Lex runs over and screams for her brother. And thus ends minute number 103 of Jurassic Park. So, uh, do you remember being scared uh, or frightened at this moment that they actually showed a kid getting shocked and blown off a fence like this when you saw it in the theater? To this day. Yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty startling. Again, this is one of those things that we keep going back to in Goonies Minute, and it's, it's seeing uh, people put in very realistic, dangerous situations, but also the fact that they're children. Yeah, this is no exception. I mean, you're seeing a kid get uh, basically electrocuted or as close to it as possible before he's he's actually killed. And uh and yeah, yeah, happening from a high, you know, high altitude. Which yeah. is even worse. 
So there's a lot of uh, speculation on whether or not what happens to Tim here in this minute would have actually happened. Now, I think we've talked about on several shows past that, like, I have almost zero knowledge of electricity. So what I've read online, and I'm reading this from, I'm going to read you a section here from a site called Prezi.com. Uh, a lot of people have uh, commented on the physics of what's going on in the scene. So uh, I'm going to take a, uh, it looks like uh, this is a note by Lucy, Sanjay, and Scott. They noted here that uh, even though he is touching multiple wires, there is no change in potential difference. All the wires have equal potential differences. If Tim were grounded in touching the fence, his body would have a current of 10,000 MA coursing through it. And I'm assuming that's a lot because 10,000 is a big number. This is an insane amount of electricity and would completely destroy a person. It would be nearly impossible for him to survive. Because Tim is not grounded, he should not have been shocked at all. Therefore, Tim being electrocuted is not valid. So there is, I don't even completely understand what that means like for me when i see that 10,000 volts of electricity would be flowing through a person even if they're not grounded to me they just the person just evaporates you know tim would just yeah. turn into a pink mist and just float down on top of grant and lex <laughs> that height but uh you know it's um whether or not the physics of this actually work uh, aren't really that's not really something I guess that we're here to to comment on with the movie because the science of what's going on in Jurassic Park is uh, flawed from top to bottom in a lot of ways but it still yeah. tells a compel- compelling story so we don't really care about that right but right. what we can talk about here is the brilliance of the editing and I did not notice until I was rewatching this that the countdown continues from Dr. Grant to Ellie when they're doing it there for some reason I never noticed that Grant counts down three two one and then when Ellie's hitting buttons she says four I've five never of that yeah and there's there's no break in it at all so it's one two three four five and then when tim gets up to count three you know we've just had a countdown to five and nothing happens so we've been disarmed so whenever tim goes back to give his one two and all of a sudden he doesn't even get to three because you know there's a joke coming up about it in a minute but uh we're startled to the point of seeing tim fall off so it's kind of crazy with the uh, the editing that there's a little bit of a joke in there but also at the same time it, it sets us up it disarms us so that when he actually does get shocked we don't expect it to actually happen for a lot of reasons yeah. because you usually don't see children harmed on screen at all that's like one of the cardinal rules of cinema but um yeah crazy scared me to this day as well because electricity scares me and you know tim being up there at that height there's a lot of a lot at stake in this in this scene you know, it's it's funny that I mentioned Goonies Minute and then we're talking about this. Uh, Steven Spielberg is kind of known for making things that are kid-friendly. I'm not going to call them kids' movies. They're not all. You know, <laughs> Saving Private Ryan is by no means a kid's movie. But um, things that would be a little bit more suitable or um, acceptable for children. And I'm talking about every harmful, terrible uh, thing that you see being enacted on a child in the Goonies, and then this right here, a child being electrocuted and just blown through the air, uh, is coming out of a Steven Spielberg film. So I think that's why it hits with a little more surprise and shock, if you will. Yeah. Um, it's because it's happening to a kid. You're watching a Spielberg film, you're like, this is the guy who made Hook. You know, nothing bad is going to happen to this kid. It's not going to happen. And then next thing you know, this is happening, or the minutes that we're on in Goonies uh, right now or have recently been is where they're forcing a children, a child's uh, hand into a blender. Yeah. So it's just, you, you don't know what's going to happen because this guy is the you know last person you would expect to do something like this in one of his movies. And yet it's happening. So it's just, you know, adds to the unpredictability of who's going to make it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, there's no, there's no way you can see it coming when it does happen. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. We start off, I don't think it's the, the minute starts off, but it's very soon into the beginning of the minute. There's, the camera kind of pulls back from the light over Malcolm in the room. And then I think in the minute prior, we saw Hammond telling her to, you know, 
hit the button that says push to close. And he, right at the end of that shot, he looks up, looking at the light, ready for that light overhead to come on. Yeah. And it doesn't look like a typical light. So it wasn't until much later that I realized that's what that is. It's the, mm. it's the light for the room. So I always wondered growing up watching this movie, why the hell is there so much emphasis being put into this thing over the table? And, uh, and now I know <laughs> the more, you know, it's, it's a very important part of the storytelling here. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that I think they, they definitely could have benefited from would have been a pickup to drop in uh, where Grant catches Tim and they fall behind the, you know, the big plant and Ellie is yeah. sitting there. It's a really awkward shot that lasts a little too long. Now, I know, you know, as an editor, sometimes you just don't have the, you don't have everything that you need all the time. So you just have to stay on a certain shot a little longer than you want to because it's all you have. It's not like they could cut, do a jump cut in the middle of that shot to where Grant raises his head and says he's not breathing. Uh, there was really no other choice than for him to just the camera to just stay on that plant and Lex's leg. So it's very awkward. It's very out of place. But eh, you know, it always bothered me. But it's with. funny because in uh, minute uh, 105 that we're going to be talking about on Monday, we kind of get a similar shot where Muldoon is pinned down by a raptor and the raptor starts eating his head. Yeah. And it's completely obscured by a uh, palm frond or mm-hmm. whatever that is as well. Uh, so it's not, I, I, and I've always wondered, like, cause I'm pretty sure that that's a CG, uh, plant that's covering Muldoon, but it seems like the one with Tim was put there on purpose to hide the, you know, either stunt person or dummy that was thrown from the fence that Grant grabs and falls to the ground with. Uh, it, 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 it but it's, it's, you're right. It would be great if they had like kind of a shot above Tim with his eyes open or maybe rolled over and Grant looking, you know, frantically around his face, you know, to check for yeah. breath or something like that. But, you know, it's, something- it's, it's bothering me but it doesn't ruin the scene no not at all not at all um in fact you know so okay we're clearly waiting for let's say we've never seen the movie before we're waiting for grant to to rise up and give us some sort of clarification on what's going on so the fact that we're left with this awkward shot we're wondering where the hell what are we doing here what are we looking at we're still waiting for confirmation on something from grant we know he's going to be the next piece of dialogue makes it that much more unnerving mm-hmm. is it's you're in a very foreign place when you're when you're watching this uh, this shot. Something about the sequence you mentioned with Muldoon, I love the fact that the camera lingers on that because it's such an uncomfortable death scene. I mean, it is really really graphic. Yeah, and you can see the dinosaur's mouth around Muldoon's head, and it's like rising up and trying to bite him some more. It keeps cracking the fact that, that skull. It is, <laughs> yeah, the fact that it is so obscured um, by the plant just adds to the unnerving like. Uh, quality of of the moment and just uh, Bob Peck's like scream is so it's just uh, it's piercing mm-hmm. um, I want to say too because we might forget to get into it uh, whenever we talk about that minute that I've seen a picture of the raptor that's on top of Muldoon and if I'm not mistaken it's actually a part of it's something that he's holding the actor is holding it's not oh, really? like a person in a suit or anything like that it's something that's attached to him and as he moves around it kind of moves with him kind of like in Plan 9 from Outer Space when <laughs> the octopus is attacking Bela Lugosi and he's just throwing the tentacles around himself yeah uh, I, I believe I believe that was another movie I think that might have been uh, Glenn or Glenda or something like that but yes uh, oh, the, that it? But it remains the same yeah he's down there throwing that thing around this works a lot better because as as uh, as the actor's moving around, it's responding to him as opposed to the opposite. Yeah. You know, right, right. Cool moments, but um, okay. So Joseph Mazzello was actually on what was he on? Like Regis and Kathy Lee or something like that years ago, and they were talking to him about his experience working on the movie. This is around the time he would have been promoting it, and he said that he had a stunt girl. 
So anytime oh. you're seeing Tim in yeah any of these uh, sequences, it's actually it's actually a young girl playing the part. Well, that that makes um, sense. Too. I mean, you know, uh, someone of his size, you might uh, easier find a, a young woman uh, who was who fits those proportions that could do his stunt. Right, work. but yeah. he's of the right age to be like physically fit. Right. to mm-hmm. to, to to do this kind of stuff. Uh, that's all I've got for this minute. What about you? Uh, that's all I've got as well. Really, the only thing I was able to pull from it that there was some, uh, some thought about was the fact that Tim would have been blown to pieces or not hurt at all being up there on the wire, the controversy between the two. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, really I, I really love the editing on it. And I think the kind of the editing of these last scenes really culminates in the next minute uh, when uh, Laura Dern is face to face with a velociraptor. Yeah. So because if you notice this sequence, uh, this little montage has not been dinosaur related. The threat is not really dinosaur related. Yeah. And I'm really glad they also didn't include Muldoon in the sequence. You know, we're cutting from Hammond to Ellie to Grant and it would have been way too much to have him thrown into this whole thing as well. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I applaud the movie for, for giving us moments of uh, action that don't involve dinosaurs. It's not all dinosaur all the time. Which, if I may, and I don't think I'm going to go on a huge tangent here, but I kind of like the fact that it's a variety of threats. But, uh, yeah, uh, like this minute. It's pretty cool. Very. All right. Well, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's go. Awesome, folks. We are going to get out of here. Please join us again tomorrow when Dave from Jurassic Collectibles will be on. It's going to be an awesome show. I'm Kyle. I'm ready. Until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media.